Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm not here with Zach Rizzuto today. Zach Rizzuto is a little under the weather, a little congested. He didn't want to bring all that to the podcast today, but I got Joe Volpe, if you're an OG, if you're an OG listener to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast, you know exactly who Joe Volpe is. Uh, he is the creator and founder of Fantasy Football Analyst over on Instagram. You got to go check out that page. Recently hit 100,000 followers. Clap, 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 clap. Congratulations on that, Joe. How you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. It feels like the uh, glory days, you know, when we would kind of jump on these things together. But uh, yeah, yeah you know, you hit 100K before me. I'm just trying to be like you. That's it. Oh, you're so sweet, man. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? It, it is like the glory days, dude. We used to do this all the time. And, you know, I'm glad that, you know, I'm not going to say I'm glad that Zach got sick. But, um, <laughs> I'm, you know, when he told me he wasn't feeling okay, I was just like, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. I got a guy. I got a guy who can come on and help me out over here. All right. So uh, glad you can make it, man. Um, before, so in this episode, we are going to go over our, uh, we're going to go over some news. We're going to go over the game last night, Thursday Night Football. And then we're going to go over our, uh, my wide receiver rankings and my tight end rankings. And Joe is going to fight me on all of it. That's basically how we're going to do this. A um, couple pieces of news. And Joe, just, you know, just remind me of anything if, if I'm missing anything. I just went over it a little bit. But I think the most important thing that a lot of people are wondering about is Josh Allen. Right, going into this weekend, he is scheduled to practice today. Uh, no guarantee that he plays this weekend. It sounds like they're still trying to figure out what you know what he's capable of, you know, with that elbow. Uh, but it also could be some gamesmanship, right? Like, so the Vikings keep preparing for Josh Allen for as long as possible, yeah. even if they know that they're not going to play him. Um, if Josh Allen doesn't play, like, I'm not downgrading Stefan Diggs by a whole lot, and I love Gabe Davis's matchup too. Even though, like, I don't have to play Gabe Davis, but yeah. I'm not opposed to starting him if he's one of your better, you know, better players. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen Case Keenum like keep two fantasy wide receivers at the same time in the past before. He's done it in the past. Um, I, I think was that with Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen in Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken. Case Keenum was the one who threw that miracle touchdown to Stefan Diggs. Remember that? Was that was that to make the playoffs or was that in the playoffs? I think that was, that was in the playoffs. That was, that was two the divisional championship round. game. And I think I got knocked off by the Eagles if I am yeah. mistaken. Dude. So yeah, you got that connection going. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's already got the connection with Stefan Diggs. Um just to let's see, about like ten minutes ago, Field Yates kind of put out a tweet that Josh Allen was not on the field during the open media portion. Seems like oh. no practice. And he says uh, Case Keenum will likely start against the Bills on Sunday. So, Oh, there we go. I mean, for Thank, the you Bills. Thank you, Joe. So there you go. It looks like it's going to be Case Keenum time against the Bills, um, you know, according to a, a pretty reputable source right there, Field Yates. So, um, so yeah. So I, I'm not, you know, and we'll get into Stefan Diggs when we start, you know, talking about our wide receiver rankings. But, but yeah, you know, I have Gabe Davis also in my top 30, obviously lower in the top 30 this week because the matchup is just oh so, oh so sweet on that left side against Minnesota. 
we've been picking picking against you know Minnesota all year long when it comes to wide receivers. Uh, but okay, it looks like Josh Allen might not play this week. So if you listen, man, Josh Allen did so much for you this 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 year. If he misses a game, it's all right. All right, try to figure it out. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Taylor he practiced in full on Thursday. Uh, looks like he'll be good to go this week. I'm ranked as an RB two. You know, he's not in my RB1 ranks. There's so many good running backs this year, you know, kind of like making their w- way up into the top 10, top 12. Uh, but, you know, I'm firing him up, you know, as an RB2. You know, don't feel amazing about it. But, you know, the Patriots were a, a pretty tough matchup overall for that, you know, for Sam Ellinger and that offense last week. I think against the Raiders, you know, it could be a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, and the thing, too, is that, you know, no Naheem Hines there. So his receiving upside does go up as you know, as much as it can in an offense with Sam Ellinger. And I think what's also notable here, obviously the Jeff Saturday news, um, him being the new interim coach for the Indianapolis Colts. But they also have a new offensive coordinator who has not called plays in the NFL. Um, so when you have a new coordinator on a team that's never called plays, you're going to resort to running the ball and getting the ball into the hands of your best players, which is Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor. So I would not be surprised if they just kind of ride JT the entire game. Um, so yeah, I, I, I get the RB2 because the touchdown upside and the big play upside just really isn't there on this offense, especially with the offensive line. Um, but I, I do think he's going to see a lot of touches. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I mentioned yesterday, I think it was on the podcast. Yeah. We were talking about our running backs on the podcast yesterday. I mentioned that, you know, Jeff Saturday being an offensive line guy, like hopefully, well, he's not an offensive line guy, he's an offensive line man. Right. Yeah. Like he was actually a lineman. Right. So like, you know, hopefully he understands that since they have a bad unit, that one way to overcome that is by using their running backs in the passing game. Right. And that's 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 the hope. Right. Because we know how much targets, how much more targets are worth than carries, you know, when it comes to fantasy, especially in PPR leagues. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, I'm you know, everybody is looking Looking forward to a good Jonathan Taylor fantasy week. We haven't seen it since week one. You know, after week one, we're like, oh, man, here we go. Jonathan Taylor, number one pick, really worked out. Um, no, it hasn't. And that was against Houston. So, you know, it doesn't yeah. tell you a whole lot, right? Um, all right, moving on. J.D. McKissick, he didn't practice on Thursday. Why is that relevant? Because you can fire up Antonio Gibson as a, I would say, you know, mid to low end RB2 this week, you know, because he's going to have a three down role, you know, Obviously, he won't be the only guy on early downs. He has a guy, you know, uh, sharing that role with him, but he'll get all the passing down work. And, you know, we've seen, you know, Taylor Heineke kind of pepper him a little bit in the passing game, you know, very high targets per route run. I doubt McKissick practices today, and there's a possibility. I can see McKissick, you know, potentially landing on IR, you know, if, if that injury is relatively serious. Especially in a season that kind of feels all but lost for the commanders, um, especially if they lose on Monday, or rather when they lose on Monday, um, at least I think. But yeah, Gibson's kind of been their guy. They they wanted to make Brian Robinson a thing. They're trying to force him the ball on the ground, but he just really kind of hasn't been okay. So um, my suggestion would be, as they are continuing to do, just keep getting Antonio Gibson involved. They're trying to bench him, but ultimately it's not coming through. It's 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 not been working for them. I wouldn't count on Keenan Allen playing this week. He hasn't practiced yet. He's he's not going to play. So keep him on your bench and keep hoping <laughs> when it comes to Keenan Allen. Uh, Darren Waller was placed on IR. So was Hunter Renfro. Uh, we kind of saw this coming for these guys. How are you looking at Mac Hollins' rest of season? Uh, he should be rostered, right? 
Yeah, he should. And, you know, this is a very inconsistent offense, not only in how many points they score and how fluent they are, but in who they use. One week, Devontae Adams has one target. Another week, he is just the like the only way they move the ball on offense. Josh Jacobs one week is getting 30 touches. Josh Jacobs next week is like not usable. So it's a very inconsistent offense, but in terms of just like a desperate flex and like a depth wide receiver, uh, Matt Collins could be your guy, especially in an offense, as you mentioned, no longer has Darren Waller, no longer has Hunter Renfro. And with the season being lost, that could be a you know potentially season ending IR placement. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially for the fantasy season that could potentially it's it's over for them in their seasons. What a lost season for Hunter Renfro, though, huh? Like he had such a good season last year, and the guy who has been you know producing all these slot receivers in New England comes over, and like the the, the slot wide receiver who's destined for an even bigger breakout yep. couldn't do anything this entire year. Unbelievable. DeAndre Swift hasn't practiced in full yet this week. It's hard for me to trust him. Right. He can be efficient. You know, like he had five touches last week, still had 50 yards. Uh, but still, man, like I'm only starting him this week if I really need him. If I don't have any other like real options, like, you know, I get the upside. I mean, I get like the fact that he can be efficient, but it, this is not good vibes. Only 10 snaps last week. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm a little more hopeful on DeAndre Swift. I mean, as you mentioned, he turned five touches into eight points, right? Like get four catchers, four yards, whatever it ended up being. Um, but Jamal turned 24 touches into 10 points. So when you look at the difference between the efficiency of Swift and the efficiency of Jamal, who's been a little inconsistent as opposed to Swift, who, as we know, when he gets that full workload, he is that guy. Uh, Chicago also has a terrible defense, as well as Detroit. There's going to be points flying all over the field in this matchup, uh, and especially in the red zone is when they have been using Swift sparingly. So I, I'm okay with firing up Swift this week. He's averaging 1.7 fantasy points per touch over the last few weeks, which is great. Um, so, yeah, again, he's going to be involved in the passing game. They did say, the team did say they want to get him a little more involved this week. We'll see how true that is. But um, it, it's it's tough to uh, kind of have your first round pick on your bench. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it really is, man. And, and he's been on that bench for a little while now. Um, but Thursday night football, let's talk about last night's game real quick uh, before we get into our wide receiver and tight end rankings. The Panthers, they surprisingly had full control of this game throughout, right? I personally didn't see this coming. You know, they were at home, so that, that I could see that. But the story of the game was Deontay Foreman. 31 carries, 130 yards, and a touchdown. There was no split on early downs between Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. Uh, Raheem Blackshear ended up, you know, with more carries than Chuba, uh, maybe because he's coming off the ankle injury, but he did have a couple of full practices, right, this week. Um but Chuba, you know, he was the passing down back, but there was literally no need for that in this game. They didn't have any two-minute situations or anything like that. Um, but then the Panthers only dropped back to pass the ball 19 times uh, with, I think, only 15 attempts or something like that. So, you know, looking at the next few games to see if the Panthers can be in, like, neutral game scripts at the very least for Foreman to continue to get work. Like, he couldn't get that done against Cincinnati last week, right? And he was taken off the field, played less than 50% of snaps. Uh, next week, they have Baltimore followed by Denver, and then the bye. Uh, Baltimore might be a little bit of a tough test, but, like, who knows? Like, you know, they don't have the weapons. Like, will Lamar be able to just get it done and score and just kick their ass, and then, you know, th they can't have Foreman on the field, you know, getting all that volume. I think Denver can definitely be a game where Foreman can get going, right? Because they're not good against the run, and their offense sucks. So he can definitely, you know, that game can stay close, or they can go up, potentially. 
I don't know if they go up, but at least the game can stay close and he can continue to rack up carries. So, you know, I was talking about selling, you know, Deontay Foreman, you know, uh, bef- before last week. Uh, and, you know, now looking forward, are you looking to keep Deontay Foreman for the rest of the year, you know, as a potential RB2? Or are you looking to package him up and try to upgrade? You know, it's always going to be dependent on what everybody else is kind of willing to offer for him because I tried to sell Deontay Foreman and, you know, he was looked at by a lot of people in my leagues of just like, and, you know, like he had a good week. Um, it, I don't think he's how, really legit. How, how about now though? How about now? Like three out of four games, right? Uh, With some big fantasy weeks. Yeah. I mean, now that, that that's what I'm saying too, of like, now it's going to be a lot easier to kind of add him to those trades and say like, Hey, I'll package him with a guy like Jacoby Myers. Give me like a player I can start every single week. Like that's something you can, should easily be able to do after this week. But um, yeah, the rest of the season, I don't know. Cause PJ Walker one week looks great. PJ Walker next week looks awful. And yeah. that could easily happen multiple times. Um, during the rest of the season and they don't play Atlanta anymore which again was like that golden game for Foreman when he had two of those pop-off games uh, and those games are over so I would lean more towards selling package him with a good enough wide receiver or another running back if you can upgrade to a guy who you feel comfortable starting every single week and that that would be my suggestion at least yeah and um, you know maybe you get a running back who doesn't have who already passes by also, yeah. right, because he has that buy coming up in two weeks, and you can get an extra game out of it, right? That that could that could be an option, uh, something to think about. Um, so let's see, uh, and then you know, just if you want to, if you're if you're wondering what his uh, playoff schedule is like, or at least after the buy, so it's week ten, week eleven, week twelve, week thirteen, Seattle. That's a little bit of a tough one, right? Seattle can go up in that game, right? Followed by Pittsburgh, eh? Detroit, eh? Tampa, New Orleans. There might be a handful of games where Carolina can stay in it, but you know. There are some games where he can rack up value, rack up some volume. Some games he can't. So if you want a little bit more of a stable running back, you might want to, you know, look elsewhere. Someone who's maybe more involved in the pass game. Uh, let's see the running back rotation for the Falcons last night, dude. <laughs> what a mess! Cordell Patterson, five carries. Tyler Algier, eight carries. Caleb Huntley, five carries. Avery Williams, four carries. Like what the hell was going on there? Maybe it was a short week, trying to keep guys fresh. I don't know, man. Like. But it seems to me like you're just not letting anyone get in into any sort of rhythm. Yeah, and I, I think what's really interesting too is they had Patterson on kick returns, um, and <laughs> it's it's not something he's done all season because of the fact of how involved he is as the runner. Um, he, he did say I think he is one away from the record as far as kick returns, so yeah. I'm sure that plays a part. It does, um, yeah. But it would be interesting to see going forward if Patterson kind of becomes a committee running back seems like Algier kind of gets the nod on the ground. Um, man, it's, it, it's messy. It really defined the rotation when they had that last drive to try to win. And the running back in was Avery Williams. Yeah. I'm just like, you haven't used this guy all game. And now on the most important drive of the game, he's like starting running back. Like, I don't uh. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, we, we've seen Patterson, you know, had those big runs this year, like even last game, like he wasn't 100%. Yeah. He had that big run, and Tyler Algier also had that big run. Like, what What are you doing with Avery Williams on the field? Like, it didn't make any sense. And then Algier and Avery Williams split two-minute snaps down the middle, you know, and, and they, you know, it was like Algier in the first half, and then Avery Williams when you're trying to win, win the game. I, I, I don't get it. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Terrace Marshall, he led the Panthers receivers on one catch <laughs> for 43 yards. Uh, the passing offense is brutal right now in Carolina. Um, but, you know, they didn't really need to pass in this game. You know, so what are you going to do? 
DJ Moore, six targets, and accounted for 38% target share. Take that for what you want. Uh, we had a LaVisca Chanel sighting, you know? And by the way, he is now playing ahead of Shy Smith, something worth noting. Um, he had a handful of touches, both in the run and pass game. So, you know, another guy who this coaching staff might be able to unleash a bit, right? Maybe his dynasty value can revive, you know, at some point, right? Um, but the fact that, you know, they were able to revive Terrence Marshall a little bit, they made a trade for LaVisca with the old coaching staff, but maybe this new coaching staff will actually play him and figure out how to use him. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, and that's the hope. I got uh, LaVisca rotting on some of my dynasty benches right now, so <laughs> that'd be really nice to see him start getting involved. Um, he did also have, I think it was like a drop or two um, on a screen. He had a really bad drop in the later half of the game, so you know, you win one, you lose one, but uh, ultimately, I mean, Terrace Marshall, again, like you said, great to see him getting involved. DJ Moore actually left the game uh, to be checked for a concussion at some point as well, and then he was let back into the game later on, so uh, kind of speaks to 38% target share, potentially being even higher if he did stay on the field for the entire game. A little piece of news coming in. Uh, Jerry Jones, the boss, the boss is expecting Ezekiel Elliott to play. Uh, Jerry Jones will let the coaching staff know exactly how many touches to give Zeke Elliott. And uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, it's funny, man. Like, you know, uh, one thing we talked about, you know, with Zach, you know, over the past week or so is that, you know, Tony Pollard, he's not the every down back handcuff we thought he was, right? Like he didn't, he played less than 50% of snaps last week without yeah. Zeke. And that was really disappointing. You know, he obviously got it done, right? Three touchdowns, right? Two weeks ago before the bye. Uh, but it was a little disappointing that he wasn't an every down back. And yeah, sure, you know, he got it done. But like, this is not the same guy we thought he was with Zeke out. Yeah, and I think what's what's good about that, though, um, you know, not that it's good that he played less than 50% of the snaps, but he is getting the key opportunities in the offense. Yeah, so, like, agreed. as opposed to being in the red zone, it would be Zeke, it's Tony Pollard. And my confidence in Pollard in those situations playing 50% of the snaps as opposed to Zeke in those situations playing 70 or 60% of the snaps – like I'm taking Pollard all day, even if for sure, 50%. 100%. And that that's that's one of the key differentiators there, right? Is that he's the goal line back when Zeke is out, and when Zeke is in, Zeke is the first crack at it. Um, but yeah, if you're comparing those two guys for sure, you know Pollard, you know is definitely you know who you would prefer just because he's going to be more efficient, you know the big play opportunity and all that. But you know he was a guy that you know you thought that all right, cool. Like if Zeke goes down, I have a top five running back, but. Even though he produced like one last two weeks ago, it doesn't it doesn't look like he's going to be that guy, unfortunately. 